Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined as always by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? Feeling pretty good for our fifth episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe, drop us a five-star review, get us up those charts. I am repping Marist College today. Let's go Red Foxes, because boy, do we have a full show today. Starting again with... More quarterback talk. You're going to hear a lot of this in this Chets offseason, and today is no exception. And we're going to go back to the familiar drum that we're going to beat again, the Derek Carr-Aaron Rodgers debate, or at least the ongoing watch. So let's start with Carr first, because Rodgers is going to go off the beaten path and get a little weird, for those of you who have not heard the story. So let's just stick with normalcy and Carr right now, in that we have the first suitor really in a trade or at least discussing a trade with the Las Vegas Raiders to acquire Derek Carr. It is not the New York Jets. It is the New Orleans Saints, who last year were 7-10 and 10 with Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton, both of whom are not the long-term guy. They don't currently have the number 10 pick in the draft because they traded that away last year. Now they have the number 29 pick because of the Sean Payton deal, but that's probably not going to be in the range where you can get a guy like a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud to be a franchise guy. So they're probably going to go get a veteran guy. New Orleans might be the most dangerous suitor for Carr, or at least the most dangerous competitor the Jets would have to deal with because they're in the weakest division in the league by a mile. By a mile. Tampa Bay was eight. We saw the Tampa Bay team, eight, nine, barely. And it really looked like they were never even challenged for the division crown. So New Orleans, immediately by getting Derek Carr, I think is the favorite, especially with Brady retiring. He's indoors in a dome where he's been fantastic his entire career. And then he's also going to go be coached by Dennis Allen, who drafted them. And the Saints, I know they're going to cut some guys because they're always in cap hell. I don't know what Mickey Loomis does, but every year I see, oh, the Saints are $150 million over the cap. And then like two weeks later, they're under it. I'm like, what the hell did you do? So Mickey Loomis will figure out a way to get guys around him. The Jets really have to be worried about New Orleans because if Carr's going to have any say in it, he could say, you know what, I could go play in cold New York where it's going to be really tough. I'm going to have a ton of pressure and pretty much a playoff mandate. Or I could go to New Orleans and honestly build something for three, four years where I could just run that division. Right. I, I guess the question is how concerned are the Jets really, though? Because from everything we've gathered, Aaron Rodgers is their guy. Like That is their preferred target. That's the guy they want. And from what we've also gathered, if they miss out on Rodgers, it seems like they're content and they're perfectly happy with Jimmy Garoppolo as a fallback option. And that's not obviously necessarily the opinion we share. At least I know I believe that Derek Carr is a significantly better option than Jimmy Garoppolo. But as the card, 
Right. But the car timeline has been accelerated now with the Saints getting involved because the belief as of literally yesterday before this report came out was that Carr was going to be released. And honestly, I still believe that's going to happen. I still do think Derek Carr ultimately gets released. But now that the Saints are involved, things are you know a little, little different because the Saints are talking to him. They have already agreed on the framework of a deal. No trade has been finalized, but they have agreed on the compensation that the Raiders have asked for. So there's already that potential of maybe the Saints could trade for him. Now, I don't think that's going to happen for one big reason. It was reported by uh, Jeremy Fowler yesterday of ESPN, uh, not only that the Raiders were looking for around like a third round pick, but one important detail in that note was uh, that the that car or teams inquiring about a car trade want Carr to renegotiate his deal. They want him to rework his deal. They don't want to take on the, those cap hits, which are, I believe, $32 million this year, which that's not that bad. But then it spikes to like $42 and, and $42 million again, I think, 2025. That's a lot of money. That's a, a hefty cap hit that I don't think teams want to take on. So it sounds like teams want him to rework his deal. He doesn't really want to rework his deal, mostly because he knows what he can make on the open market might be around that. Like it's rare that a quarterback of Carr's caliber still relatively in the prime of his career hits the open market. So even though Carr is visiting with the Saints, I still think it's unlikely he's traded because of that reason, because of the contract. But it does make it a bit more interesting. As for the Jets, I'm not sure they're really going to play ball here. I, I do think that they might or, or organize a visit for Carr, you know, mostly just agree to the draft compensation, get a feeler for what he's looking for. I think that's kind of what the Saints are doing as well. I don't think they really plan to trade for him. I think this is more of like almost a free agent visit before he's a free agent. I'd like to see the Jets do that. But from what we've seen, it's, it's you know, it's Aaron Rodgers or Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I, I genuinely think right now that both the Jets and Raiders want Aaron Rodgers and whichever team doesn't get him will get Jimmy Garoppolo. But at the same time, if you're Joe Douglas and you're not even considering Derek Carr, I think that's incredibly foolish. Agreed. So, so let's just look at what New Orleans – because the Jets, I think eventually, I think are going to crack. I think they're going to put some sort of feeler out for Carr. I, th- I don't know if they're going to trade for him. I don't know if they're going to rework his deal. But at a time when you need a veteran quarterback and the guy who has the best combination of durability and consistency and you don't know if he's going to retire every year like a certain guy who wears number 12 in Green Bay, you have to at least take a look at him. And the, the connections with Dennis Allen, I don't know how he got along with them, but like those are scary to me because any sort of familiarity I think could really swing him, especially for a guy who, let's be honest, I think he's a little sensitive to some criticism because he played in Oakland and Las Vegas, which are not they're big cities, but they're not sports meccas. We read that article that came out later in the year where he started getting a little bit snippy with Josh McDaniels. I don't know what was said or how it was said, but... It seems like he did not take very well to McDaniels coaching him very hard. So Carr does seem like a guy who might just th- you know what, I'll, I'll take the less bombastic, the less we have to win immediately right now option, which would be New Orleans. So if there's any sort of open market competition, the Saints might have an edge. And it's not like he's going to just some random team. Even if they cut Michael Thomas, there's still Jarvis Landry and a couple other guys. Alvin Kamara's still there. The offensive line's very good. The defense has players. Even though they don't have a top, their top pick right now, that's a team that's drafted very well for a very long time. So this is not just like some random, you know, like poorly run operation dumpster fire that he's just going to go to just to take the money. He could win something with New Orleans. Like the Jets have to can't just be like, oh yeah, that that'll be nothing. They need to keep this open or at least keep their eyes on it. 
I, I agree. I, I think the Jets should be a lot more interested in Derek Hart than they currently are. I don't yeah, like think... what's the problem? Like what what are they what does he not have that they want? Like like what is the issue? Is it strictly money? From what's been reported, it, it almost sounds like they just don't see him as a fit. Like they don't see him. I don't know if that's schematically. I don't know if it's personality. Whatever <laughs> it is, they don't see him as a fit. I mean, I look, I disagree. I think Derek Carr is a is a good NFL quarterback, and we've had the Derek Carr conversation. You, you look back at our old videos and, and why we think that Derek Carr would be a good fit for the Jets and why we think you know he should be up there with Rodgers, like 1A, 1B. At least in my mind, I think they're 1A and 1B with each other as far as Jets 2023 quarterback options are concerned. I'm not sure you're going to win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr, but that doesn't mean that he's not a good option in the short term. That said, it just doesn't seem like the Jets are on that bandwagon. It seems that they are perfectly fine waiting on Aaron Rodgers and hoping they get him with the fallback plan of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's where they're at now. It's a dangerous it's a dangerous game to play because one we don't even know if Aaron Rodgers is playing football in 2023. I, I think he will. I, I I would be very surprised if if the result of his darkness isolation retreat you know that whatever's going on with that was him just deciding right, we, need, we need to go into that because i mean the people need to know I mean, how have they have they been in isolation retreat so they're not aware of what's going on with all right, all right, for, for the undecided new york jets fan that's considering locking themselves in the dark for a week non-stop let me here, hey, here four, four days four days four days not a week. oh four days well you, you know all right four days let's you don't want to go too you know heavy on the complete isolation. You don't have to pay for solitary confinement for a week. You know, four days is much more reasonable. So this is what your potential next quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, is doing. It's four nights of complete darkness. This is per CNN. So imagine me doing James Earl Jones' voice and reading this. Four nights of complete darkness. You're not locked in. You can leave if you can't do it. You can walk out the door. It's a darkness retreat. It's just sitting in isolation, meditation, dealing with your thoughts. It stimulates DMT, so there could be some hallucinations in there, but it's kind of just sitting in silence. Now, this is incredibly strange. Like, you could be into whatever you're into, any sort of, you know, like substances, whatever. Like, like this is bizarre behavior. And I don't really want to be like old cranky radio guy, like he's the franchise quarterback, he can't act like that. But what, the decision the Jets are going to make is going to have ripple effects for potentially a decade and if they keep waiting for this guy who again based on what he's doing now sounds like he is in absolutely no rush to make a decision on playing football right now he likes to really get burned he likes the attention of course he's in no rush like that's knowing Aaron Rodgers like this is not surprising in any way at all right like this is not a surprising thing that's happened uh like it's just this is right up his alley like as soon as he did that announcement too. What's, what's really funny about it is the way he announced it on the Pat McAfee show was great because he just mentioned it kind of in passing. He's like, yeah, you know, after I do my isolation retreat, yeah, uh, like everybody can, does like, yeah, then I'll have a better idea. And he did that knowing damn well that Pat was going to ask him what's that because Rogers wanted to talk about it. And that was his way of baiting Pat to talk about it. But look, if Rogers can play football, I don't really care if he's doing this shit. Like I really, I genuinely don't. I really do not care. I care if we don't even know if he is going to play. Look, I'm with you on that. The timetable is annoying. And I I, like the fact that it's, it's like, he's taking his sweet time. One deciding if he's even going to play football, you know, I, that's our, that's a big issue in its own right. But like, look, he can do whatever the hell he wants off the field. He's a weird dude. We've known he's a weird dude forever. Anybody who's followed Aaron Rodgers throughout his career knows he's a weird guy. And this is totally like right on par with stuff that he's done in the past. You could be a weird guy. I just want an answer. And if you're playing or not, I don't want you, you know, locking yourself in a hole for a week. I mean, they're putting food in through a slit in the door. 
But look, is it is that in like not is it that dissimilar from you know what Jets fans do on Sundays when they're watching? <laughs> I got a shout out Brian in the chat, which says uh, extended isolation might be preferable to watching Zach Wilson play again. Which fantastic, Brian. Maybe he's watching Zach Wilson. Maybe he's watching Zach Wilson highlights or something like that, and that's gonna be like that's gonna be his true test. He's like, do I really want to? I don't know, subject myself to something like this. I don't know, man. I'm reaching. <laughs> I do. I just hate the fact, too, with this whole Rogers disco. It's like we're waiting for, like, a pope. Like, we got to wait for, like, the white smoke to come out that's of his. That's what he wants. That's I, know it's, I hate that, that we have to give in to that because that's how desperately we need a quarterback is we're willing to let this guy gallivant around and do whatever on, on the chance that maybe he may not even want to go to the Jets. The NFL is a soap opera. This is quality content. NFL loves this. As as sports media people, we are supposed to love this. I mean, I don't. I don't. I'm tired of writing about Aaron Rodgers. You know, per, on a personal level, I am exhausted by Aaron Rodgers, and he's not even on the Jets. But that's you know, that's another story. I mean, there's just it's it's a lot. Like it is exhausting to continue talking about. I do agree though that the Jets need a better contingency plan of. Just wait, instead of waiting on Aaron Rodgers and, and and hoping that he not only plays football but he plays for the Jets, I do think they should be more in the Derek Carr market. I I don't think like I think you can make a genuine argument that Carr's a better option than Rodgers. I'm not saying that that's my argument, but you can absolutely make that argument. And the fact that you can make that argument and that there's a lot less uncertainty with Carr, that means the Jets should be in the Derek Carr market. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Now, one now, if the Jets don't end up getting Derek Carr and they don't end up getting Aaron Rodgers because he's off on his spirit quest and he's talking to the Johnny Cash coyote from The Simpsons and having a uh, epiphany, and they don't end up getting Jimmy Garoppolo because he wants to go look, link back up with Josh McDaniels over in Las Vegas, that may lead them to taking a quarterback in the NFL draft, which is something that 
I think on a personal level, me and you were both against because we think that this team is ready to win now. And we just put uh we just took two years to develop Zach Wilson unsuccessfully. Why try it again? So I get where that's coming from, but at the same time, you have to consider the possibility. Now, the way the quarterback class is shaping up right now, there's two high-end guys, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Don't even make a scouting report for them if you're a Jets fan. They are not going to be New York Jets, barring an act of God. That leaves quarterback three and quarterback four as potential targets of pick number 13, that being Will Levis of Kentucky and Anthony Richardson of Florida, both of whom are extremely toolsy prospects. I'll start with Levis first. Levis was a Penn State transfer who goes to Kentucky and didn't have amazing numbers, 43 touchdowns, 23 interceptions, especially last year, just 19 touchdowns against 10 interceptions. Well, why the hell are we going to take him in the first round? Well, his offensive line was, let, let, let me be very diplomatic here. It was dog shit. It was awful. He was getting killed on every play. Still, he was showing off mobility, great size, some nice touch when he's able to set himself up, and a fantastic arm. Now, again, self-reported. He's not the most reliable source. Self-reported, he can throw a ball 80 yards. I don't know if I believe that. Do I believe 50 with accuracy and with velocity? Definitely. Richardson, on the other hand, might be even more raw because he only completed 54% of his passes at Florida last year, which is bringing back Christian Hackenberg memories. Because Christian Hackenberg was completing, I think, 52% of his passes at Penn State. Here's where it differs, though. Richardson is an A++++ athlete. He claims he can run a 4-4. He's listed at 6-4 and 232. Bazooka arm, throws well off platform, very creative when things break down. One of these two guys may end up being Jets. I'd love to get your thoughts on it, Justin. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the whole like quarterback at 13 conversation, I don't think there's a scenario in which the Jets draft the quarterback at 13 and that guy starts from day one. I, I don't think that's the route the Jets are going to take. I'd be, I'd Obviously, I'd be surprised at, at all if they drafted a quarterback in the first round. But if they did, I don't think it'd be someone they want to start early on, especially if that's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, because I don't think any team drafting one of these guys should expect them to start from day one because they're just, they're not ready. Like they're, they're, they're not ready to start from day one. I know the jets have already expressed regret with that, with Zach Wilson. These guys are less NFL ready than Zach Wilson was coming out of BYU. But, and so that's saying something. It is. It is definitely saying something because the jets absolutely could have, you know, now in hindsight considered le letting Zach Wilson sit behind a veteran early on. Any team drafting Will Levis or Anthony Richardson has to have that in the plans. Like, that has to be the plan. The plan cannot be to go into week one with one of these guys as your starting quarterback. So that's number one. If the Jets are doing that. They either drafted or they either just, like, traded for Aaron Rodgers and they are already being like, look, we got a plan ahead for the future. I don't think they do that. Or they are bringing back someone like, like they, st they struck out on Aaron Rodgers, struck out on Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr. If they strike out on all three of those guys and Lamar Jackson isn't moved, that's really the only scenario I could see them drafting a quarterback because then I could see them being like, all right, look, we're going to sign Jacoby Brissett or we're going to bring back Mike White. We're going to sign – I know Dennis and Chad had mentioned Taylor Heineke. We're going to bring, bring in someone like that and then pair him with a Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. And that's not a good scenario. Let me, let me get that straight. Like that is not – I don't want that to be the case. That's the only scenario I see them drafting one of these quarterbacks. If they do draft one of these quarterbacks, like you said, they're both major or projects, both guys who definitely should not be playing early – I do think that Will Levis is a better fit for the Jets 
he comes from the essentially the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. He's played in two offenses, essentially, or basically the same offense, both years at Kentucky. Uh, but one of them, the offensive coordinator was Liam Cohen, who comes from the Sean McVay tree. And the other was uh, Rich Scar- Scar- Scangarello, I think his name is. I, I if I apologies if I'm mispronouncing that, I think it's Rich Gangarello. That's anti-Italian discrimination, Justin. I'm sorry, Luch. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, look, I got Italian ancestry too. Uh, uh, but I don't know how to say it either. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Scangarello. But uh, he comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree, and of course, McVay and Shanahan both from the same coaching tree. Will Levis has experience in that kind of an offense. He's very much a rhythm and rhythm and timing passer. Now, the big difference you mentioned Kentucky's bad offensive line. That led to a lot of quick reads for Will Levis. He had a lot of one-read plays, and that was kind of the situation he was in. Uh, he wasn't asked to really process a lot of complex routes, which that's a concern for him off the bat. The other concern is turnovers. He had, I think, 25 interceptions in basically two years as a starter, uh, 17 fumbles. Like He has had a lot of turnover issues. So that's the big issues with him is, is turnovers – and I am definitely concerned about his ability to read defenses and the process quickly. You want to hear an even more concerning stat? I believe almost over forty percent of his yards were exclusively to Wandell Robinson. Wow. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> all the manufactured touches right there. There you go. That's the manufactured <laughs> manufactured touches. Um, so that's like my concern with Levis. But I do think he's someone that they can kind of mold to be in this offense because he has experience in an offense. So if they wanted to draft the development guy, he makes sense. Richardson, he's again another incredible physical physical athlete, just a ridiculous athlete, great arm strength. His issues are more mechanics related. When I, when I see him, I see someone who, when everything is going right and his mechanics are good and his footwork is good, he looks like a legitimate future All Pro quarterback. But there's a lot of issues there that need to be hammered out because way too often his footwork is a mess and he's just that leads to ridiculous inaccuracy, which we've seen with Zach Wilson in the NFL. When his footwork is off, when his lower base is off, he'll bounce screen passes, he'll miss slants over the middle. Anthony Richardson has a lot of that on his tape. And that's not going to go away in one year. It's probably not going to go away in two years. So either way, neither of these guys should, should start early. But I will say that Levis probably makes more sense than the Jets if they are to go that route. The only – I would agree with you in, this, in that sense. However, I think it's pretty firm that Richardson might have the higher ceiling. That's fair. So if you're drafting for that, now, Richardson, honestly, I think the best way to describe his game is he's who Justin Fields haters think Justin Fields is right now. And that uh, there are some throws that I mean are layup, kiddie pool, bunny hill, one out of 10 throws that he just flat out misses. And those are not excusable. But if you go watch that opening game against Utah and how he finished the year, there are some plays where I'm like, all right, I don't even know if Bryce Young or CJ Stroud would have made that play. And those splash – I know the splash plays thing is, again, kind of a dirty word with Jets fans because that's what they fell in love with Zach Wilson was the splash plays, and then he couldn't hit the basic stuff. The thing with Richardson, though, number one, he's doing it in the SEC, which I think you do have to factor in. And number two, I really just don't think Florida had a ton of pieces around them this year that were amazing. They had some guys, but for what Florida should be getting, I don't think they really surrounded Richardson very well. Now, here, here's the problem. You want to talk about inconsistency. Richardson did not throw a touchdown until his fourth game of the year. But in between that, he had a game where he ran for 106 yards and three touchdowns. So it's, you know, what do you make of that? Then he follows up a game against Tennessee by going 8 of 10 and 8 of 14. So, again, another huge valley. How does he follow that up? 100-yard rushing game again, 300 yards against Georgia, 
400 yards against Vanderbilt, and then he goes 9 of 27 against Florida State. Like, it's a week-to-week thing with Anthony Richardson. So it's going to be a real bet on your offensive coaching staff, which, as we learned with Zach Wilson, was a complete failure. Now, is Nathaniel Hackett going to do it better? I don't think so, but if you really believe in him that much, I think you draft for ceiling, and I think Richardson would be the guy. That's, that's a fair take. I, I think it's more like I want to bring up a uh, comment from Josh Kerr in the chat. Uh, he said, question for later, what are the chances we draft the quarterback on day two or three? And out of those later round quarterbacks, who would you like? He says he likes Max Duggan as a project player. I, I think it's a lot. Max Duggan. Yeah, I mean, he just had a really rough senior bowl. Uh, but well, he's so did Jalen fine. Hurts when I was down there. Jalen Hurts That's was true. not good at the senior bowl. That's true. And now, he, now he's playing the Super Bowl. Look at him. Um, but I, I think it's a lot more likely the Jets go that route. Now, I, I will also say this. If Zach Wilson is on the roster, I don't think they draft the quarterback because I think they're going to bring in, whether it's Rodgers, Carr, Garoppolo, somebody. Somebody in that tier, they're going to get the guy who's going to be a starter. I also think they're going to bring in a backup because I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be QB2 going into the year. And I don't think that backup is going to be a rookie. I think that would be a mistake. So I think they're going to bring in an experienced backup. They're going to bring in an experienced starter. And their third quarterback is going to be a developmental guy. If it's Zach Wilson, that's who it is. If they trade Zach Wilson, which that is still a possibility, if they get value, they're not going to pass that up. Uh, Then I think they could draft someone in mid to late rounds. But I don't think they're going to go – looking at a quarterback and you know day three maybe like round four round five if they have zach wilson because then what do you do you could carry four quarterbacks i don't think they want to do that um and i also the niners who knows (laughs) yeah i maybe you need everyone gets killed (laughs) maybe you would need one or maybe you think you could sneak this guy whoever if you're drafting someone in like the sixth round maybe you could think you could sneak him in a practice squad i don't know i mean you're not probably not gonna sneak zach wilson in a practice squad uh also you're not cutting him because of money but uh, like I, I think that makes more sense if they trade Zach Wilson. I, I, I'll admittedly say I haven't looked a ton at the mid-round uh, uh, prospects, but I do know Max Duggan a bit. He struggled at the Senior Bowl. Definitely a project of a guy of a, of a player, you know, in, in similar mold of like Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Not nearly as physically talented those, as those guys, but I could see him being someone that you want to just develop. Like accuracy is a big issue with him. We saw that at the Senior Bowl. We've seen that at TCU. That that was a big issue with him. But he has enough size and mobility. I, I think he can be someone you want to develop. Mike, I know you really like Jake Hayner, so I'll pass this off to you, and you can you can talk a little about him. We talked about him last week. Well, yeah, Jake Hayner was my guy at the senior bowl. Again, he's a little guy, but I really like his arm and his pocket mobility. Not necessarily he's going to run for a thousand yards, but quick little, I made the comparison, even though it won't be this good to kind of Joe Burrow, like pocket movement, just moving a little bit, finding the guy. I want to go into Duggan a little bit because Duggan's stock has honestly been cratering lately because yeah. the senior bowl. And also because he got embarrassed in the national championship game against Georgia, which is in my opinion, completely unfair. I mean, TCU, it's a fantastic story, miracle run. I mean, look at the aliens, the, the Greek gods, the, the Adonis figures, the Herculean figures that are on that Georgia defense. Did you really think Max Duggan was going to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns against that? I mean, Georgia loses half the defense every year, and then they just bring in new guys, and they go to the NFL. So I don't even really think that's fair to evaluate him. Duggan will be a fine, I'd say, fifth or sixth pick. But if you want a mid-round developmental guy, I think Hayner could work. I like Clayton Toon out of Houston. Nice big arm. And also, I might be saying his name wrong, Tyson Bagent. Bagent? Bagent? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Is he, Where's he from again? He's from Division II Shepherd University. And Shepherd. I, That's the home of Nathan Shepard. Oh, no, not Nathan Shepard. No, he went oh. to <laughs> – no, no, who went to Shepard? God damn it. <laughs> damn it. No, where, where did Nathan Shepard go? He was also D2. 
he was up in Canada. Yeah, yeah. What was the school? Do you remember the school? It was like not Simon Fraser. It might have been Simon no. Fraser. No, Simon Fraser is too notable. I never. Jeez. Uh, hold on, hold on. We need to find this out now. Did oh, you really? Did you really think Nathan Shepard went to Shepard University? I no. See, in my mind, for a second, I did, and then I was like, "Oh wait, no, you're thinking that because that's his name." Uh, uh, he went to he went to Fort Hayes State, which yeah, but who went to Shepherd? I know Shepherd. Uh, well, Tyson Baggett went there, and <laughs> okay, fair enough. And admittedly, that is not the. I've not done a ton of Shepherd uh, film grinding. I've seen okay. some, but it's like Zabruder film. I feel like I'm on the Warren Commission watching this guy because it's not exactly quality film. So I was really excited for the Senior Bowl, and boy, does he have an arm, man. Can he throw that thing? Now, again, can you go from guys who are playing Division II who are going to be you know, marketing executives and you know, Best Buy salesmen to then going to play the New England Patriots on the road? That's going to be a huge leap. But as we're saying, in terms of tools, if tools are what's going to get Will Levis and Andy Richardson picked that high because it certainly was not their stats, you have to consider them. That's fair. I, I tried to look up. Uh, Shepherd alumni, and I, I don't reckon there's five guys in the NFL who ever played who've played in the NFL that went to Shepherd. That's and big for a D2 school. Did it? I don't know any of them though, but uh, <laughs> just, Nathan they, Shepherd. Never, not Nathan <laughs> Shepherd in my head, it made sense at the time, man. It, it made sense for a second. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just more likely they would they would go day two with that. Uh, we can get to a couple a couple quick comments from Brian. He said. First, first thing he said this before. I just want to touch on this. We, we glossed over it. He said, "How about retroactively drafting Brock Purdy at four last year? Because that's how they would uh, solve world hunger and all their other problems." Brian's referring to uh, it was a, a I think ESPN did it. Uh, it was just a redraft of the 2022 draft, and they had the Jets taking Brock Purdy at four. Now, a lot of people lost their shit about that because they were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe the Jets would he would you know Samini would have the Jets taking Brock Purdy over Sauce." That's not what happened. Sauce Gardner went number one overall. Now, you could argue about Brock Purdy going four. I, I totally understand that argument. I also understand the argument about why he could go four because that's, you know, he, he's a quarterback, right? Quarterback value matters, and he's played well this year. Um, but people lost their minds about that. But I, I do think that's a, that's a funny uh, – maybe yeah, maybe the Jets should have just drafted Brock, Brock Purdy last year. Well, and number five one, was Kayvon. Here's the problem, though. Number five was Kayvon, which right. – yeah. So he stayed at five. Yeah. Number six, uh, this is the new the new pick, was Tyler Smith. Oh, interesting that they put him that high. To Carolina. Number seven was Garrett Wilson. Right. So, yeah, you, so, so you could add Wilson at four, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then who, 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 do you, who do they have him at 10? Would they have the Jets taking at 10? Uh, Christian, oh, Christian Watson. Watson. That's right. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, didn't Brees fall all the way to 35 in that redraft? Which he that, may have. That's insane to me. Chris like, Olave at 13 is, is a war crime. Yeah, Alave. Oh, that's Watson going over Alave. Oh, all right, all right. Now I'm upset. Now I'm actually upset. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> they, they actually made some salient points. I hate this list. <laughs> yeah, no, now, now, never mind. I, I'm, I'm with you. I hate this thing. Uh, Brian also said, I don't think Joe Douglas wants the blemish of trading Wilson for a bag of sand. Look, at this point, I don't think Joe Douglas really can care about that. I don't think he can afford to care about that because his job is on the line. And if he's going to be able to get picks this year that can help him, his team win this year, then he needs to do that because like, if Joe Douglas isn't willing to move on, then like, like his legacy will be affected by potentially him being fired. Like that's, that's what he should be more concerned about. I think it's more like blemish on your resume is getting fired. Right. That's even an even bigger blemish. I think it's more likely that, that Woody Johnson would be the one that's like, no, right. If he, if he intervenes, if he meddles and is like, we can't trade Zach Wilson. That would be the thing that prevents it. I don't think Douglas's ego is going to get in the way there because I think Douglas realizes that, like my or like Mike, you just said, a bigger blemish is actually just getting fired. 
Um, so that that would be more that would be more of a concern with that. Um, but I, it's just fun. We're talking like quarter we're draft quarterbacks. We haven't really been able to do that at all. I haven't talked draft quarterbacks in even like an article at all. This is this is cool. We could talk some other draft stuff if you'd like as well. We certainly can. You can. All right. So we want to do something. We're probably gonna do this like every week where we do like a weekly draft spotlight. Um, essentially where we're just looking at a prospect or two for for each of us. Where we're like, this is the guy that the Jets can maybe target. First, we're going to kind of start with the more known names, right? So we're going to look at what the Jets could do at 13. Obviously, we're going to talk about quarterback. Neither of us think that that's the route they go. So what route could they go? The most likely route right now, I think, is offensive line. And my favorite tackle prospect is Paris Johnson. Uh, he's up there with, you know, Peter Skaronsky of Northwestern, Broderick Jones of Georgia. I like Paris Johnson the best. I don't think he has quite the ceiling of Broderick Jones. I don't think he has quite the the like floor of, of Peter Skaronsky, but I think he's a great mix of the two. I'd be very, very surprised if he wasn't a very good starter for a long time in the NFL. Uh, just a rock solid left tackle. Somebody who could step in day one with legitimate pro ball, all pro upside. That's who I would like right now. If I was picking at this very moment, who I think the Jets should target at in at 13, it would be Paris Johnson. Now, I don't know if they'll even have that first round pick. I don't know if they're going to address tackle in free agency, but right now, that's who I'd take. I'd, I'd have Paris Johnson at left tackle, move Becton over to right tackle, move Vera Tucker back inside the right guard. That would be my plan of attack. Paris Johnson's my top pick. Mike, what are you looking at at 13? Well, one last comment on Paris Johnson. I got a lot of Tristan Wirfs when I was watching him. Ooh, which, interesting. If they get if, if they get Tristan Wirfs out of this or anything close. But do you think that means he's, he's a right tackle? Because he played left tackle. At, uh, I think he's, he's if Tristan Wirfs played left tackle, okay. there would be a lot of similarities. <laughs> I mean, look, sign me up for that. It's certainly, if only the Jets had a chance to take Tristan Wirfs, I'm sure they would have leaped at the chance instead hey of taking uh, a certain Louisville tackle who was playing praying, one praying game in the last two years. Playing for Mackay Becton. 2023 is his year. I'm hoping. Oh, man. I'm hoping. So my guy, I think this might be trademark my guy for the entire 2023 draft as a whole. And he's a defensive back. But as we mentioned on the last podcast when we were discussing J.L. Skinner and a couple of the other bigger defensive backs that the Jets like to move around, this guy is versatile. And I'm talking about, I know Jets are going to be scared because Alabama defensive back, but trust me, Brian Branch. He's officially listed as a safety. This dude's played everywhere. Played as a straight-up linebacker. He's played in the box as a safety, outside, a nickel guy. Just a complete mix-and-match chess piece. Now, on one hand, that could be tough for a rookie because you got to have him learn essentially five different positions, four different positions as a rookie. I get that that could be tough. But you don't take a guy at 13 if you don't think he can do that. And Branch absolutely can. The heart of Nick Saban's defense this year. Super fast, super smart, great hitter. I think for a team that needs a safety, especially one better than Marcus Joyner because that was a complete negative. Even if Jordan Whitehead gets better, I don't think he's going to suddenly turn it into Ronnie Lott or Ed Reed. So safety is a huge need. If they go address offensive line, maybe in free agency, I would be thrilled with Brian Branch. Now, there are teams like the Eagles who could take him at 10, which would really be scary in that defense, I think. So the Jets may need to do some maneuvering, but I'm I'm 100% sold on Branch. I also love Brian Branch. I think he's a great prospect. My concern with him is kind of fit with the Jets. I think he would play the Jordan Whitehead role. 
I know he's a versatile guy, but I think he's best around the box. I think he's best when he's just down, you know, downhill making plays. That's not to say he can't cover, and they've used him in the slot quite a bit at Atlanta, at Atlanta, at Alabama as well. But I don't think he's what you're want, looking for as a replacement for LaMarcus Joyner. That's my one concern. If they do move on from Jordan Whitehead, say they go and get like they move on from both safeties, they cut Jordan Whitehead, they sign Jordan Poyer in free agency, and they pair him with Brian Branch. There you go. Um, sign me up for that. You got two really good safeties. Then you could play Branch in that kind of Whitehead role. What they want. I know that the, you know there's the whole like the Jets run a lot of cover three because Robert Solid. They ran a lot of cover two last year, so you don't necessarily need to have a single high safety that's just a true just Earl Thomas type back there or an Ed Reed. You don't need that. But I want someone that is a bit more trustworthy in coverage than Branch at this stage. However, if they did if they did draft Branch early, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I just think it's not the best pick that they can go with in that spot. Also, because I just think O-line is a bigger impact position at, at 13. That's that's my stance on it, though, although I do love Brian Branch. Do you have a, uh, a comment for that? I have, I have a hypothetical for you from oh, Mr. Yeah. Offensive Line over here. What do you got? Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not the only – Scott also says O-line in chat, so I'm not the all right, only – All right, Scott and, Scott and Justin, it's hypothetical time. What do you got? It is the 2023 NFL Draft. The Jets are on the clock – Peter Skaronsky and Paris Johnson are both available. What do you do? Well, obviously in this hypothetical depends on what has happened in free agency. My guy is still Paris Johnson, but like it also depends on how the Jets, what they think about Elijah Tucker. Cause Skaronsky, a lot of teams might think he's a guard in the NFL. That's kind of uh, one of the big things with him is, is length. They don't know if he's going to be a tackle in the NFL. If the Jets are comfortable with Skaronsky or Vera Tucker at tackle, if one of those two you think can play tackle, then sure, draft Skaronsky, have one of them play guard and the other play tackle. Hopefully, Mekhi Becton works out a left tackle. That's my one concern with that is that you're really you're hoping on Becton again, unless you're going to you know have Dwayne Brown back. You could also bring him back if he doesn't retire. I would still go Paris Johnson, though, because I just think there's a lot less uncertainty there. You bring in Paris Johnson. He's your left tackle. You have that position on lock. Then you could move Becton over to right tackle and go from there, right? Because I think if you have Becton at right tackle, you have somebody already there in Max Mitchell who hopefully will be back. You could try and bring back Dwayne Brown. I'm not sure he'd want to play right tackle, though, so that probably would make it less likely for him. And then you could even move Vera Tucker to right tackle. So you have other options there if Becton doesn't work out. With If you draft Skaronsky, I'm not really convinced that he's going to be your left tackle. And so that brings up a concern of you don't really have a ton of options outside of Becton at left tackle. That would be my concern with that. So I would go Paris Johnson, but a lot of it depends on what they do in free agency and also how they view internally Vera Tucker and if they view Skaronsky as a tackle. But I, I Paris Johnson's my guy, so I'm going with him. Hypothetical number two, and this is going to relate back to the safety thing because I, I do disagree in that I think Branch is a guy with the tools where he could be like a deep safety and he could play sort of, a, for lack of a better word, a free safety role where he hangs back a little more and Whitehead's in the box. I definitely think he's got the measurables for that. I think he's got the football IQ for that. I'm a believer in him. Fair. Now, let's just say that they don't address safety and free agency and offensive line through whatever means by hook or by crook gets solved in free agency. Do you consider maybe trading down and looking at like an Antonio Johnson or a JL Skinner later in the first round? First round might be a little rich for them right now. I, I especially Skinner. I don't think Skinner is going to go that early. I, I think there's a lot of red flags with him on tape. I, uh, physically, he's impressive, and he's. I know he's your guy, and I, I can see your face already because you loved. I know we just talked about him last you, you week. You can teach him how to, you know, how to pass off responsibilities in a deep zone. Like you can't make guys taller. 
Sure. You, you, you can't make safety six, four, you know, they come six, four, they're not six, four, right. He's a big dude. Like I, I literally, I, I compared him physically to Kyle Hamilton last week. So I, I also like JL Skinner first round is rich for me. Like, especially when it comes to like a safety, I just, I don't think the jets are going to do that. I, I really think O-line is, is where they're going to go first round or even honestly, honestly, I don't think this is where the value is in this class. But wide receiver, I wouldn't be upset with them drafting in the first round. I don't think that's where the value is. I think it's more likely they do that on day two because I just don't think there's those top-end guys. But if you let Corey Davis go, you got to get someone else in there because right now you have Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, and that's really it. Like, you're not going to rely on Denzel Mims. I'm not sure Barrios is back. Now they totally could add someone in free agency, whether it's an Allen Lazard. Like, it's so early to to gauge where they're going to go with this stuff because there's so many things that could happen in free agency. But I wouldn't rule it out. I don't think that safety is a priority at 13, though. Brian Branch would be the only guy that makes sense. And I think it makes more sense if they move on from Whitehead. But you also seem to be, you know, more in the camp that thinks he could play like in a free safety role in that Lamarcus Joyner role, which I have my doubts about. But also, I'm also I'm just a dude talking on a podcast and so don't listen to me. Right? I'm not an NFL scout. <laughs> well, I also think that too, if you're drafting a defensive back in the first round, like you have to draft him with the intention that he could eventually do that because I don't think you would draft that hyper-specific a player with, like, the 13th overall pick. So I think inherently if they take a guy that high, they think he can do that. And Jamal Adams is the sixth overall pick, you know. <laughs> all, right, all right, look, I know right, this, this is going to be unpopular. I, I got to say it. Like, let's not retroactively act like Jamal Adams always suck here. No, I know. He like, was let's, great. let's not do that. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just messing for the for the you know the 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 box safety merchant, whatever people call him. You know, now he's he's a great, he was a great player with the Jets. Like, he, you know what? He he didn't want to be here because he did not you want the audacity. He didn't want to play with Adam Gase. Oh my God! He went to Seattle. He got his money. He's in the playoffs. Like, he, seems like we're both. The Jets don't have him anymore. They don't have a malcontent. They got they have Garrett Wilson and Elijah Vera Tucker. Yep. He got paid. Like just quit thinking about your ex-girlfriend, man. <laughs> hey, I, I'm just I was saying it because I know others were thinking it. You know, if you're like, oh, you don't draft the a, a box safety six or a third at 13. I'm like, well. He wasn't that wasn't like the talker on him. He was Jamal Adams was like, this is like the best safety prospect ever when he came I'm out using, of LSU. I'm using 2023 rhetoric to to make a joke. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like how everybody, oh, I knew Zach Wilson would be awful, but everybody except Joe Douglas knew that. Yeah. It's that it's it's that guy. <laughs> Scott in chat does bring up uh, Jamal Adams' best moment as a Jet, which other than the 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 play against the Giants, but this is he said the tackle on the Patriots mascot. Yep, we just you know we just had the Pro Bowl, so it's a good weekly or yearly reminder of uh, Jamal Adams' best moment as a Jet, which was him tackling the Patriots. Mascot. See, I would disagree. I would say it was that moment where I think it was the Luke Falk game where they got they were getting blown out so bad. Jared Stidham came in and then. Jared sent him through uh, a pick six, and then Brady had to come back in. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do remember that as well. I he had his moments, Jamal Adams. He had his moments. And yes. Look, we don't. We could do a whole retroactive on Jamal Adams at some point because there's uh, there's a lot to talk about that. But you let's know, get him on the show. Let's get him on the show. <laughs> that would be wild, dude. I had his jersey and everything. I love Jamal Adams, man. I, I'd love to have him on the show, legitimately. We've done a lot of draft talk, and we talked about you know what the implications are. Uh, with the draft and what, you know, depending on what the Jets do in free agency. So why don't we talk a little bit about free agency? We could talk about this upcoming Super Bowl and kind of maybe some free agents to look for in that Super Bowl. First, Mike, who's winning the Super Bowl? I want to hear that talk first. First, who do you think's winning the Super Bowl? I'm going to say Eagles 27, Chiefs 21. I just think now I think Patrick Mahomes is in a different stratosphere compared to everybody else in the league. And I think in terms of tight ends, Travis Kelsey is like that. 
You take those two away, is there one area where the Chiefs are better? Or even at least equal? I, I really don't. I mean, like, defensive line, I think they're slightly behind. Offensive line, they're slightly behind. I just think the Eagles, I mean, where, where's the weakness? Where are you going to go, oh, that's where we need to exploit? That's I the agree. problem. Eagles are the best roster in football. Like, they legitimately have the best roster in football. Uh, I always want to lean with the team with the better quarterback in these situations, but it's tough because, like you said, the Eagles are just so stacked. Like, that roster is so stacked. So I'm going to say, hot take, it's going to end in a tie. And no, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, wouldn't that be hype, though, if, like, the first oh. over, like, if they have to go to overtime and we actually get the overtime playoff rule for the first time. <laughs> just everybody cool. gets juice boxes and orange slices. and <laughs> Yeah, they end it. I'm going to say Chiefs because I've learned time and time again to not bet against Patrick Mahomes. And I think he's just going to do Patrick Mahomes stuff. And I think, like, in, like, because I actually saw a stat. This is the number one pass offense versus the number one pass defense. Only the second time that's ever happened in the Super Bowl. I think the only other time was the Seahawks Broncos game, and we know how that went. The defense absolutely won in that battle. Uh, that being said, I think that today's NFL is a bit different, and I just think that I think that 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 Patrick Mahomes is going to do some Patrick Mahomes stuff as long as the Chiefs O line can hold up enough, and that's going to be on guys like Orlando Brown, who we could talk about in a moment. If they can hold up enough, and they could give Mahomes enough time, I think they will be able to move the ball on offense. And I think the defense, I think the Chiefs defense is a little bit better than people give it credit for too. They it's played like, well. Wh- here's my question: well. Whoever's winning at the end of the first quarter is going to win the game. I think if one team okay. just immediately starts off hot. I think it's going to be really tough to play from behind. So that means if it's tied, then my prediction's right. And yeah. it's going to right, Mr. Technicality here. <laughs> anyway, we bring this up because let's talk a little bit about which guys from the Super Bowl should Jets fans be keeping an eye on, right? Which guys in the Chiefs, which guys in the Eagles, guys who are free agents who the Jets might be able to target. We could start with – I, I want to start with the Eagles because I, I have more guys on the Eagles, more players on the Eagles that I would like the Jets to target. I think my top choice, I mean, we could talk about the guys in the D-line like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. I think my top choice, I think their top free agent that I would that I think would be a, a great player in the Jets is TJ Edwards, linebacker. Been starting there the last two years. He is, I believe, by PFF, been ranked top 10 in each of the last two seasons. He is just a perf, like a great, great modern-day NFL linebacker and someone who not like enough people talk about. He's a very good player, the heart of that defense. The issue with him is scheme fit because we're not even necessarily scheme fit, but just roster fit. He's a true Mike linebacker. I don't think the Jets sign him to play Will. I don't think they sign him to play alongside CJ Mosley. He's someone who would replace CJ Mosley. So if the Jets were considering trying to move on from Mosley, which is a very difficult thing to do with his contract, Edwards makes a lot more sense. But I think someone who makes more sense to play alongside CJ Mosley would be Kaiser White, who's also been pretty good this year with the Eagles. Signed over from the Chargers. He's another converted safety. So, you know, we know Robert Sala loves his converted safeties, turn linebackers, great athlete, great sideline and sideline speed. And he's a lot more consistent, or at least he was this year, more consistent than Quincy Williams and even than Quan Alexander. I think he'd be an upgrade over those guys. So if they're looking to upgrade at Will Linebacker, Kaiser White makes sense. He's not as good as TJ Edwards. Both of them are free agents. I think Edwards will get a lot more money. I think he's going to have a bigger market. But White makes more sense as a fit for the Jets. So if we're not looking at D-line, I think linebacker Kaiser White makes the most sense for me. See, I think we might need to look at D-line because as you brought up on the last show, the Jets still, I know they have Quinn and Williams, but that alone does not a defensive line make. If they get one more mover and shaker in there, I think this might be a top five unit in the league. In terms of if Jermaine Johnson takes the leap, we think 
this could be really destructive. Now, I know he's been in Philly forever. I think he's a future Hall of Famer probably. If there's some way that a Joe Douglas connection like Fletcher Cox could come to the Jets, I don't. I really don't know what his market's going to be. It's going to be very tough. He's been in Philly his entire career. He just turned 32 years old. He's still productive, 43 tackles, seven sacks this year. But I, I know he's not going to be the elite. Because I'm back in his prime. We remember prime Fletcher Cox. That was destructive. That was what Quinn and Williams, I think, is now. I think that's honestly a pretty good comp. Except Fletcher Cox was, I think, a better run defender than Quinn is probably going to be. And Quinn's a little bit of a better pure pass rusher. But even in this state, Fletcher Cox right now on the Jets, with that defense, that veteran leader, he's not going to cost a ton. I don't know what his market's going to be. I know it's not going to be a five-year, $100 million contract. This is an affordable deal for a guy who's got his championships, so he's not just going to be taking cheap deals to ring chase here. Fletcher Cox is my number one guy. I think another guy, if they want to address the offensive line free agency, they could take two big gambles. One, a humongous gamble, one I think less so. The I'd say medium gamble would be Isaac Sayamalo, who is one of their starting guards. He's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. Pretty rock solid. Not amazing, pretty rock solid run blocker. I think he'd probably be on Lake and Tomlinson's level at right guard. I think that'd be a fair assessment. Now, the big gamble you could take, which I don't know if they're going to do because Makai Becton's also coming off injury, would be Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard, for those who are unaware, was a first-round pick of the Eagles, I believe, in 2019 out of Washington State. Tremendous pass protector, and then his legs just kept giving out from under him. He's had some big injuries, but when he's played, you saw what he was at Washington State, which was a high-end pass protector with great mobility, great footwork. I wouldn't be surprised or even opposed to the idea of seeing if he could make a, start anew rather, with the Jets. Andre Dillard is in like that Juju Smith-Schuster uh, mold of just guys who are connected to the Jets every single year. Like I feel like I've written about Andre Dillard trade rumors every year since he's been drafted. I'm not even joking. Like he's just <laughs> always been rumored to be traded to the Jets. Um, yeah, Jadavian Clowney was another guy where like every year there's free agent stuff about Jadavian Clowney and. <laughs> Yep, and it just never happens. Maybe it maybe it happens with uh, Andre Dillard. It, like you said, injuries are an issue there. Uh, say Amalo as well. Like besides the injuries, I feel like I just I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go after him. I think he would regress with the Jets because he wouldn't be playing alongside Jason Kelsey. He would be because he will have joined the Jets. That's why he will have regressed. He wouldn't be playing alongside the best offensive line in football. Like I think Say Amalo might be the weak spot of that entire offensive line. He's still and- fine though. He's fine when playing alongside all pros. Like that's that's kind of my point is that he's fine playing alongside all pros. Take him out of that lineup, put him in, you know, because because how he what is he? How old is Sayamalo? Isaac Sayamalo is he's twenty nine, right? So he's he's played I and mean, he's been like a, a a spot starter in the past with the Eagles. Like his first few years, he wasn't a full time guy. I don't remember him ever being anything special, and I think this past year was probably his best season. He was fine, like you said, he was fine. I just I think that. Like, I don't think it would, first, I don't think it would cost a lot. So that's good. Uh, if you do sign him, I also assume that that means you expect Vera Tucker to play right tackle, probably. Um, because you got, you have Thomas in the left guard. You, by the looks of it, I don't like, I know there's been conflicting information about that contract, but I don't think you can move on from that. Um, so you probably have Sam Allo at right guard and then Vera Tucker at right tackle, which, you know, fine, I guess. 
Um, but that, you know, I, I, I think I like Dillard more, but I don't, I wouldn't want Dillard to be like a starting option necessarily, like locked in as a starter. But God forbid he sneezes too hard and then you're at another left tackle for the rest of the year. So I mean, that's kind of the same case with Mekhi Becton too, yeah. you know, so you don't, you don't want to be in that situation, but I do definitely love the Fletcher Cox shout out. And definitely the, the Joe Douglas connection makes a lot of sense before we move on to the chiefs. One last guy, I just, you know, people are going to mention him, so I have to throw him out Gardner Minshew. Again, I don't want Gardner Minshew as the starting quarterback in the New York Jets. That is not what I'm saying when I say Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. But if he's who you bring in as your backup, cool. Gardner awesome. Minshew might be the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Maybe. He's up there. I'd be very happy if they brought in Minshew as a backup. I mean, I know we also mentioned this scenario earlier. If they do disasterly, you know, disastrously miss out on Rodgers, Carr, Garoppolo, all the top guys – Sure, maybe draft, you know, maybe sign Gar- or, uh, Gardner Minshew and then pair him with Will Levis or whoever, Anthony Richardson, right? That's not a good scenario. I'm not advocating for that, but sure, it's a possibility. So you have to throw him out. Going to the Chiefs, there's one guy in particular. There's a few guys that I kind of wrote down, but there's one player in particular who I'm like, this is somebody I want the Jets to sign, and that's Derek Nottie. I talked about last week Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin because the Jets never really got their Foley Fadakasi replacement. Their run defense was inconsistent at best this year, specifically when Quinn Williams was off the field. Their their uh, uh, I, I hate that William and Chat just said Carr just traded to the Saints. That really it got me, William, and I don't like you just did that because I had to look at my phone and I don't like that you did that. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, William, man, you uh, really spooking us. Legitimately hate the data. Anyway, um, so you know, uh, yeah, get so, traded like a minute later. <laughs> I know. Right? As soon that seems to happen when we record these. But anyway, Derek Nadi, I love as that Foley Fadikasi replacement. One of the most underrated defensive tackles in the NFL. He's not someone that you're going to want to play 50, 60 percent of snaps a game. But playing him 30 to 45 percent of snaps, he's a very, very effective one tech kind of a nose tackle player. Great run defender, and that's kind of the role he's filled with the Chiefs, playing alongside Chris Jones. Chris Jones and Derek Nadi are a damn good defensive tackle duo. Take Nadi out of Kansas City, put him next to Quinn Williams. You have a damn good defensive tackle duo in New York. If they don't re-sign Sheldon Rankins, which they could, right? They could. It depends on what the price tag is. He's coming off a good year. But I'd rather have someone in there who's a better run defender than Rankins, who I could trust to, to even when Quinn, when Quinn Williams is not on the field, to just be a, a presence in the middle of that defense, more so than Nathan Shepard, more so than Solomon Thomas. I really like Derek Nadi. I kind of I've wanted him on the Jets since he was coming out of, of, of Florida State. He's a was a very very good prospect coming out of Florida State. I love him. I love his fit with the Jets, and he kind of fills the the role of exactly what they need as an interior run defender. So that's that's my guy from the Chiefs. Now I have one guy to avoid because he's going to be Ooh. a name that some Jets fans might might mention. Don't go near Orlando Brown, man. Just just don't do it. You'll be better off. Now is he a good tackle? Yes. Is he an above average tackle? Definitely. Didn't he want to get paid around like what twenty five million dollars a year? To be the highest paid tackle. In the league. I mean, that's why the Ravens had to move on. Or part well that they, that in the left tackle situation, you know, they had Ronnie Stanley coming yeah. back. Now but. Orlando Brown honestly is my Makai Becton comp. So at Makai Becton's best, I think he can be kind of what Orlando Brown is now. Would you pay for to twenty five million dollars a year or close to it? Definitely over twenty a year for Makai Becton, because that's what you'd be doing with Orlando Brown. So I know that that name's going to come up a lot, but he is mighty too expensive right now for the Jets. I do like the Juju fit a lot, the Juju Smith-Schuster fit. Now, I think it's going to be a sharp change because if you look at the quarterbacks he's had in his career, he had Ben Roethlisberger before he was washed when he still had some semblance of velocity, and he had Antonio Brown before he just went cuckoo on the other side. 
taking the best cornerback away, and that's when he produced. Then I'd say probably middling production outside of that. And then, yeah, he was good this year, but Patrick Mahomes. I mean, look at all the guys. Patrick Mahomes made Marcus Kemp, you know, was playing with Marcus Kemp, and he had a good catch in the AFC Championship game. Like, guys just work with him. So there are some questions, but at the same time, good route runner, goes over the middle, nice hands, physical runner. Not, not, Juju is a perfect number three receiver. He, is, he tried to be a one. He thought he could be a one. He's not. If he just has some self-awareness and says, I could be a number three receiver on a championship team or a number two receiver on a middling team, I think he'll have a home in, with the Jets. Yeah, Juju is one of the guys I wrote down as well. Um, again, that's another player, much like Andre Dillard, who has been connected to the Jets quite a bit. It's like, oh, every every offseason, the Jets are interested in signing Juju. Well, especially when they had Darnold, too, the USC Stuff. Right, that's where it started. It started because of the Darnold connection, but even it was it was the case this past offseason too. Um, but yeah, I, I do like the Juju fit as well. He's not a number one. I think he's a good, solid number two or number three, and that's what he would be with the Jets. If they go in the next year with Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Juju Smith-Schuster as their top trio of receivers, I'm very happy with that. Like That's a good trio. As for Orlando Brown, I agree with you. He's too expensive. I don't think that that's the route they go. I don't think that's the route they should go. I think He's a above average player, like you said. He got off to a rough start this past year, ended up finishing pretty good. I think he was ranked like top 15 by PFF, allowed like yeah, four. He's not bad, but I mean, you can't pay that guy Trent Williams money. No, and that's what he's going to get because it's a relatively weak crop of free agents, specifically the offensive line. It's just, it's not, you know, it's not a great class right now in free agency. So I, I think he's going to get paid a lot of money, more than I would like to give up. Um, and I don't think that's what they're going to do. I want to say, though, I think Makai Becton. If he stays healthy, has a higher ceiling than Orlando Brown. I'm going to say that. Wow. I, I, okay. Because Orlando Brown, I wouldn't say Orlando Brown is a top five left tackle in football. I think Mekhi Beckham can be a top five left tackle if he stays whoa, healthy. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't think that's a hot take. I mean, do you mm. see how the dude, how good the dude was as a rookie? There's, I will, I always bring this up too. There was a poll that went out after his rookie season. It was in June of, of 2020, it would have been, or 2021. It would have been 2021, June of 2021. Yep. And it went out and it was like 50 plus NFL executives or personnel around the league ranked the top offensive tackles in the NFL. Makai Becton was number six on that list. Not not just like projecting the future. He was ranked as the number six tackle in the NFL. Well, Zach so, Wilson was also ranked as the number two quarterback prospect. Yeah, that's prospect, prospect. Uh, Mekhi Becton, it's a difference. <laughs> Mekhi Becton playing very different. It's evaluation skills. It is, but that's and that's not me. Like that, this is me saying that I'm not alone in that belief. And I think that if Mackay Becton is healthy, which is a massive if, I'm not saying he's going to be a top five tackle in the NFL, left tackle in the NFL. I think if he's healthy and he plays to his potential, he can absolutely be better than Orlando Brown. I do. I think he's a lot more athletic. He's more athletic than Orlando Brown. Definitely, like, that's the one thing he yeah. does. Remember, didn't Orlando Brown have like the worst combine in NFL history? Yeah, that's why he fell as far as he did. He had those, <laughs> didn't like, he get like yelled at by some of the coaches, I believe, because he like wasn't trying hard. He had like the slowest forty. It like tanked his stocks. So I I think that's where Becton is 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 has the higher ceiling because of that, because of that athleticism, because he's a lot more athletic. Now, is he as as athletic as he used to be with you know the knee issues? I don't know. We'll see. But again, if he stays healthy and he could play, if he could basically build upon what he did as a rookie, then he could be better. But that's I just wanted to say that I wanted to go on that rant because I had that to say. Uh, last guy I wanted to point out for the Chiefs was Miko Hardman. Another dude is a free agent. Um, if they're looking for a deep threat. Maybe like that. That's someone that could be interested or interesting. I don't think that that's the route they'd go, but if they want to bring him in as a wide receiver three, I'd be happy with it. I'd prefer Juju, but Hardman is, you know, is a solid option. Right. But is Hardman not let, I'm going to throw a bone to the older Jets fans. Is he not a little bit of uh, the, the, uh, the late Johnny lamb Jones? 
Oh, he's better. So is, he, I, I, is he a guy who's a receiver? Is he a guy better off running the, the 100 meters? He's better than – I mean, obviously he doesn't have the draft status that Lamb Jones had, had but he's better than Lamb Jones. Michael, Michael Harmon is a solid wide receiver three or four in the NFL. I'd say a wide receiver three. He's a good player. Right, but I mean, I don't I – don't, I think because of the obsession with speed in the league, I think he's going to command a lot more than wide receiver three. I think he might make more than Juju on the open market, if I'm being perfectly honest. That would be interesting. That would that would it would surprise me, but I I would understand it. I would definitely understand it. And and again, for every Deshaun Jackson and Tyree Kill, there's a John Ross and Troy Williamson and a bunch of these other guys. So like, we Nicole Harbin is better than John Ross. We've seen he's better than John Ross. Well, that's, I, not, that's not a huge accomplishment. <laughs> you're you're underselling Nicole Harbin. I think he's a fine player. He's a fine rotational piece. That's that's. I don't. I'm not saying the Jets should go out and get him. I, I think you're underselling him a little bit. You can, but, do, you you know. can do worse. You can we'll do say, worse. Hey, hey, We'll see in the Super Bowl. Now Michael Harbin's going to catch the game. Now yeah, he's going to get like 180 yards and two touchdowns. And <laughs> Exactly, exactly. We'll see in the Super Bowl. Me well, and big we, fat mouth. <laughs> the next time we meet, it's going to be next Wednesday. And uh, Derek Carr, we'll see what's going on with him because that is Derek Carr deadline day. So we'll see if, if he's traded, if he's released. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about with Derek Carr regardless of what happens. Maybe he's traded before then. I don't know, man. But there's, there's going to be a lot to talk about then. But as for now, that, that wraps up our show. And we started an hour later. Uh, you know, some conflicting schedules with like Super Bowl coverage and stuff, but uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll maybe we'll move it to 3 p.m. going forward. We'll, we'll have to talk about that. I don't know, 2, 3 p.m. Definitely every Wednesday we'll keep you guys updated. But anyway, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. You can download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, hit that notification bell, like, you know, you know what to do. Uh, we stream live every Wednesday at 2, maybe sometimes 3, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and that's that's been it. I've been Justin Freed. This has been Mike Luciano. Thank you guys for listening to the Jet Press Podcast. See you guys next week. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.